Hi, everybody. This is Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. And welcome back to Your Haunted Holiday, the place for all of the great haunted vacation spot reviews, in case you're just joining us. And today's going to be a really good episode. I'm excited about it. And it's also dedicated to one of our larger listener bases outside of the U.S. in the United Kingdom. Yeah, we noticed that... We had some listeners over there and we were kind of pleasantly surprised. For us, it's really exciting anytime we know there's listeners that we don't actually know that aren't just our friends and family. So thank you so much for listening. We wanted to dedicate this one to you. Yeah. And we actually have listeners right now in 12 countries and that includes the U.S. The U.S. We're is international. Yes, <laughs> we're international. And the U.S. is our biggest one, but the U.K. is by far our second biggest one. I actually saw a number today, Lindsay, when I was researching this episode that said 40% of people in England believe in ghosts. Really? Yeah. And I think that really just goes back to how old everything there is. The place that we're going to talk about today is a thousand years old, which is Jeez. by far the oldest place that we have covered. There's nothing like that in the U.S. Like it gets old, but the U.K. is a whole different animal when it comes to ghosts. So this is your haunted holiday at the Tower of London. Hey everybody, this is Lindsay uh, from Your Haunted Holiday. Before we get started, I want to do a shout out to one of our regular listeners. He listens every single week, does not miss an episode. He's our friend, Mike. He's actually a good friend of ours from high school. And he's reached out and actually given us an update. So a couple weeks ago, we did an episode on Disney World and we were talking about how someone, you know, the rumor was that someone was killed on Space Mountain for standing up, but it was, turned out was the Matterhorn. And we made a comment about how, well, you know, we'd be concerned if Shaquille O'Neal were to raise his arms in the air, but the average person probably would be fine, right? Well, Mike actually lives in Orlando and he used to work at Disney World. He, he writes on our Facebook page, as a former cast member at Space Mountain, I can say it's completely safe to put your arms up even if you are Shaquille O'Neal. So Shaquille, you're safe. He said, I wanted to, uh, I've walked the track many times at night to, to grab loose items. I promise there's no way you're going to lose a limb as it's completely open. It feels like there's bars or stuff above you, but that's the magic of Disney for you. So next time, put your paws up and enjoy the ride is what Mike says. So Mike, thanks so much. We love you. Thank you for listening every single week. And anybody else that wants to, to write up something or has an update or some sort of interesting tidbit for us, please do. We might just shout you out on the show. Yeah, and we love getting updates like that because I was particularly worried about Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I've always heard the rumor that you should never raise your arms on Space Mountain. Yeah. And I'm shocked by this, but... Me too. All right. But we have a professional that was able to confirm you are completely safe no matter how tall you are. You yep. are going to survive that ride. <laughs> 
Absolutely. All right. So let's get into it. So this episode, like we said, is dedicated to our friends in the UK. And this is about the Tower of London. So I am going to tell you this castle is like a thousand years old. I am not going to be able to cover the entire history of the Tower of London because that would just probably be boring, right? I'm really just going to cover the highlights the things that I think for the purposes of our show in terms of ghosts I think are really interesting and things that you should know if you decide to go to this location and we did actually go here it was probably gosh it was 20 years ago Lindsay it was 2000 yeah Yeah. well it was it would have been I think it would have been right before New Year's because we actually were in London for the um, 2000 New Year's we were there we were actually we're standing near Big Ben yeah and one of the tours we went on was the tower of london and i remember it was one of the cooler things that we did while we were there we loved london but this was really nice there was so many cool things to see as part of this because you hear tower of london you just think tower but it's actually a castle that was built and it is right there in central london right next to the river thames the main river that is going through london. is it thames or is it thames i don't know Lindsay. and and all <laughs> of you guys from the uk i'm just gonna apologize ahead of time if i butcher some of these words you're gonna hear some come up that i may or may not say correctly so i apologize for that already so um historic castle in central london um it was originally built in 1078 so 1078 that's crazy and it was started out being built by William the Conqueror when he showed up and they built it as kind of like a fortification back in 1078 it was a much smaller castle right and it took about 200 years to get it to where it is today so over the course they really built onto it. And throughout this episode, we're gonna reference different towers. We might say the White Tower or the Bloody Tower. These are all towers within the Tower of London. So don't let that confuse you. It's all one castle, but it's so large that, you know, it's we're talking about different areas within the Tower of London. Okay. Now, some things to know about it. It's been used for multiple things. It's been a royal residence in the past. It was an armory. It was a treasury. I remember it a lot from our visit there, Lindsay, as the house of the crown jewels, as it still is even today. And I thought that was one of the coolest parts of the tour because you get to see, they even show a video of Queen Elizabeth being crowned and they have these amazing scepters and it is just you know crazy to see the amount of wealth and jewels housed here and I don't know if it's the same but when we went through the tour for the crown jewels I liked how they did the whole they really um set the mood for it being you are in a royal location you know you are around maybe billions of dollars worth of jewelry maybe priceless I mean I enjoyed it I thought it was pretty neat yeah I thought a lot I think priceless is the right word for a lot of it because a lot of these pieces are historic right they're not just something you can go pick up at Kay's jewelry store at the mall (laughs) right 
So it was used for all these things. But one of the things that I found interesting that I didn't realize is it was also used for years as a royal menagerie. And what? What a royal menagerie is, is basically like a royal zoo, okay? And basically what would happen is the royals would get gifts of things like leopards and monkeys. They even got like a gift of an elephant, for example. So they they housed these animals at the Tower of London and used it as like a royal zoo for all these, these creatures. And one of them was actually, this is crazy, a polar bear that wow. they were given in 1252 to Henry III from the king of Norway as a royal gift. And this polar bear, and I'm just throwing this out because it's an interesting tidbit of information, they would actually muzzle it and chain it and allow it to swim in the river Thames and allow it to catch fish and like hunt. And they just basically what? kept it on some sort of leash. How does it hunt going away? with a muzzle? I don't know. These are all questions I was not able to find the answer to. <laughs> but a polar bear was on the property and they would let it go hunting in the river. I mean, it's a really cool story, but I also feel bad for the polar bear. Yeah, not I lie. do too. Which is part of the reason that, you know, the zoo actually got shut down. So the zoo housing the animals actually went from the 1200s when they received some leopards or something all the way until 1835 and it just kind of got out of hand and people were like you know these these animals aren't really cared for that greatly so then they shut it down and moved the animals out to you know better places so just something interesting about uh, the Tower of London now the next story I'm going to tell you um, is about what they call the princes of the tower. And basically what happened is Edward V died and he had two sons. And these two sons were heir to the throne. Well, at least the oldest one was, right? One of them was nine, year old, nine years old named Richard. And then the actual heir was a 12 year old named Edward. And because they were so young, he actually left them to his brother, Richard. And his brother, which is their uncle, was supposed to be taking care of them. So in order to take care of them, Lindsay, he actually put them into the Tower of London and he claimed it was for their safety, right? So for their safety, they are kept in this tower. And they were living in a bedroom in the Bloody Tower and they were known to like kind of play all over the place, but that's where their, their bedroom was. Was it known as the Bloody Tower at the time? That I don't know. That's a really good question. I would probably guess no. <laughs> I'm guessing no as well. I was just curious. So basically, they, these kids are left with their brother Richard to be looked after. Well, unfortunately, Richard also would really like to be king, right? And one day, these kids just disappear. And nobody knows where they went. And oh, no. this went on for years nobody found them nobody heard them they were just up and gone 
And then in the year 1674, they were remodeling one of the towers. It's actually one of the largest towers on the property, the White Tower. And what they found is they found a chest that was covered up and like bricked in like under a stairwell. Mm-hmm. And in this chest, they found the skeletal skeletal remains of two young boys. And they believe that those were the princes of the tower. Now, oh, nobody wow. technically knows how these kids died or anything like that. But the clear speculation is, is that their uncle Richard had them killed in order to take over the throne. Wow. It really reminds me of Game of Thrones so much. Like, even as we get further into this, Lindsay, there are so many stories of just horrible things that people do in order to become the king or queen. Oh, man. Yeah. Game of Thrones, huh? It's Game of Thrones in reality. This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine tingling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part, my services are absolutely free. Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact Your Haunted Holiday Travel Agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits. Okay, so we talked about how the Tower of London was a royal residence, an armory, a zoo, all these different things. But it was also a prison for a ton of years. So from all the way to 1100 to 1952, it was used as a prison, although it was not its primary purpose. So a lot of these, you know, people like royalty or somebody who's been charged with something horrible, they were sent there. And a lot of times they were executed. And there is a ton of stories out there about executions and probably hundreds of people that were executed here. Um, But we're going to talk about some of the main ones. And the first story I'm going to get into is a name I feel like almost everybody has heard of. And the name is Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. There has been movies and all kinds of stories out there about this. But she was most known for being married to Henry VIII. And Henry VIII, I knew was like a horrible dude I guess but I didn't realize how horrible until I you know started digging into some of this but he is best known for being married six different times and 
at this time, you know, it was kind of groundbreaking. So his first wife was Catherine and Catherine was not able to produce a son. And Henry really wanted a son to continue his royal legacy, essentially. So he got kind of fed up with Catherine and he, you know, his eyes brought him to the beautiful Anne Boleyn, who's just, you know, supposed to be, you know, a member of society that everybody looked up to. She's supposed to be beautiful, all these different things. So he decided he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn instead. But the Catholic Church really had the power over England at the time. And so he wanted to get a divorce, but he couldn't do that. So he decided he wanted to be granted an annulment. And he did get an annulment and he immediately went and married Anne Boleyn. And Anne Boleyn had a daughter not that long after they got married, but again, not a boy. He really wanted to have a boy to be the heir of the throne. She suffered a couple miscarriages, one which history basically says they think was a son. It was a stillborn. There was all these, you know, horrible incidents around this that potentially caused this miscarriage. But he was very upset that she had not produced his heir. And then his eyes started wondering again. So his eye now wanders to a woman named Jane Seymour. And he decides, I have got to get rid of Anne Boleyn because I need to marry Jane Seymour so that I can have a, a son. So instead of like just going through the whole divorce thing and all that, getting an annulment, he decides he's going to throw some charges at her. And he charges her with adultery, incest, which apparently he supposedly claimed that was with her brother, which is Ugh. very salacious at the time. Very Game of Thrones. Very Game of Thrones. And then also treason for ha tr uh, making an attempt to kill the king. So they throw her in the Tower of London as a prisoner and they put her to trial. And of course, she's found guilty. I don't know that there was really any way that she wasn't going to be found guilty. And one of the things that they say is that, you know, when she gets found guilty and she knows she's going to be put to death, typically here, you're going to get beheaded, especially if you're somebody like Anne Boleyn, one of the, you know, higher up prisoners, I guess I should say. So normally they would behead you with an axe. And Anne Boleyn apparently had this kind of like moment of calm leading up to her execution. Before that, she was kind of like all over the place with her emotions, but she somehow was able to gather herself. And she sent a note to King Henry VIII and asked him if instead of using an ax, if they could actually use a sword to behead her. And she is actually the only person at the Tower of London to be beheaded via a sword instead of an axe. Ooh. And the reason she asked for that is because apparently some of the axe swings can be pretty brutal. Like it's not always just like one fell swoop. Like if it's somebody that is really well practiced at executions, it might be one fell swooped or if the blade is particularly sharp. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they had to make multiple swings with an axe to fully behead somebody. And so when she did get executed with the sword, her head did come off with one fell swoop. And supposedly the executioner actually picked up her head to display it to the crowd of people watching. 
and her mouth and eyes continued to move for several <gasps> seconds as he held her head in the air. Holy cow. Yeah. That is crazy. How have I never heard about that? Yeah, I I never knew that either. I didn't until I started researching it, but that's like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. I think I think she made a good choice with the sword though. I agree. I like the the choice of the sword. Mm -hmm. There's another story coming up here that you'll really like that choice of a sword here in a minute. <laughs> um, so anyways, they, they tucked her head under her arm in the casket, basically. And it actually it was a makeshift casket, supposedly. It wasn't even a real thing. It was just kind of like a wooden box holder and went ahead and buried her. So that was the story of Anne Boleyn at the Tower of London. The next one that we are going to talk about is the Countess of Salisbury, also known as Margaret Pole. That was her given name. And she was actually, you know, part of the royals. She was a countess. Well, she had a son who was a cardinal, and he became very upset. And this is after Anne Boleyn's death in 1536 so henry the eighth as i said had six wives and in order to do that he really had to remove england from the roman catholic church and that is when the english protestant church was created and that was really for him to be able to move from woman to woman and easily be able to get a divorce trying to produce this heir of his that he really wanted. So the Countess of Salisbury's son became very upset because he was a cardinal in the Catholic Church. And he actually wrote a letter to King Henry VIII saying like, how dare you do this and get a divorce and blah, 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 right? So stupid. Who would ever do that, okay? So anyways, that's not what I was expecting you to say at all. But I, I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about like stupid things to do sometimes, it, and we were also talking about Game of Thrones, it reminds me of something stupid Jon Snow would do just for mm -hmm. the sake of doing the right thing and like putting everybody's lives in danger right. as a result. And, and Joffrey's the king. Right. Exactly. Joffrey's yep. the king in this scenario, basically. So he sends this letter and King Henry VIII is like, screw you and he uh, he arrests the cardinal and then he arrests the cardinal's mom the countess of salisbury and they you know the cardinal is actually put to death pretty quickly the countess is sent to one prison for like a year or so and then eventually sent to the tower of london and everybody kind of thought oh well they're gonna release her you know she's being charged with treason basically and no, they did not. In the year 1541, King Henry VIII decided, you know what, let's go ahead and execute her. So he decides to execute her, and the story goes when she's up there to be executed, they're trying to put, you're supposed to put your head down on like a scaffold thing in order mm -hmm. for them to cleanly cut your head off, basically. And she would not put her head down and continue to say basically like, I am not a traitor. I never did this. This is wrong, right? And apparently she kind of like started taking off running almost like around the scaffolding. Mm -hmm. Well, the executioner supposedly then he couldn't get a clean shot out of her head. So he continued to hack her with his axe 
until she died. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really Horrifying. Brutal. Like, I can't even imagine that. And other people say, you know, that could be just legend. They say, you know, going back to Anne Boleyn requesting that sword, maybe it was just somebody who was very novice at, you know, being an executioner and the axe was particularly blunt. And that's why there was all those extra hack marks. But the most popular story is that she did not agree to be executed and did not want to go down without a fight. Wow. Well, good for her. Agreed. It makes me wonder, you know, because I remember when we got the tour, I think we saw the area where they used to do executions. And I don't know if it's the same one where Anne Boleyn and this Salisbury lady were executed. But it makes me wonder, you know, like, I wonder even the streets where they used to guillotine people during, like, the French Revolution. Like, how haunted is that place? Right. I would I imagine. I mean, think about all of the death. Yeah, the amount of death is crazy. And it probably is the same place we saw, Lindsay. So most people were not executed right in, inside the tower itself. They were executed just outside in a courtyard, essentially, which is the same area that, that we saw when we went there some right. years back. So it probably is. That's the most popular place. It was a, a courtyard right outside of the tower green of the Tower of London. So that was the most prominent places as I'm kind of going through these execution stories that most people were executed. All right, so our next prominent story, and gosh, these all seem to be women, although there were men executed there too. But for whatever reason, the stories of women, at, you know, the Tower of London are the big ones. And Lady Jane Grey is our next story. And this is kind of interesting because she was not a direct heir to the throne. However, she did somehow get there. And she was actually the first cousin once removed of Edward VI. And Edward nominated her to be the heir of the throne. And that was primarily because Lady Jane Grey was a Protestant and Edward really wanted a Protestant heir to the throne but his sister Mary was a Catholic and so he kind of like cut Mary out and mm -hmm. even though Mary was not a direct descendant of the throne he and I would say Jane was much further removed than Mary was he wanted that Protestant and his part of his legacy to be there of carrying on this Protestant church, which King Henry VIII is the one who happened to start, right? Right. And I will say, I don't know the history here of this Lady Grey, but because you're bringing her up, her future cannot look bright. It does not. <laughs> you know me so well, Lindsay. So in 1553, Edward, King Edward died and she was actually proclaimed queen. So she was proclaimed queen at the time. However, she was just kind of pending her coronation at the Tower of London because that could have been where they were going to do that. And she needed to be like official and they had to like put the crown on her and all that fancy stuff, right? Well, somehow there was a turn in the tide for her and she lost support as being the heir to the throne. And suddenly Mary, Edward's sister, kind of took a big step up and she was the one that everybody wanted to be queen. So guess what? Again, Lady Jane Grey gets 
found guilty of treason. And they basically Jeez. say, you're not queen anymore. You're guilty of treason. And in 1554, she was executed once again in the courtyard at the Tower of London. Wow. So very Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. Mary is Cutthroat. like Cersei. Cersei Lannister. That's how oh, I yeah. look at Mary. Yeah. If okay. we're relating it to our Game of Thrones. All right, so some very dark stories that we just covered, Lindsay. And, you know, it it just gets darker, to be honest with you. I'm not going to go through all of them, but like I said at the beginning, if you think about the number of people executed on the grounds here, it is just crazy. It's got to be hundreds of people. There's also been sieges and wars and things like that that have taken place on the property. So just think about the number of people dying from that. On top of that, if you were a prisoner on the grounds, they would do all kinds of torture techniques in order to get you to confess to something, even if you didn't do it. There was one thing, one torture device in particular that I'll talk about called the rack, where they would basically, you know, lay you out on a table and they would tie your wrists and your, um, your ankles and lay you down and like crank a thing to stretch you out and basically people couldn't handle it for too long before they you know blacked out from pain it's think about it it is basically stretching you to the point where all of your joints are basically dislocating in your Ugh. body and if you've ever dislocated a joint I mean just one joint the only joint I've ever dislocated was my thumb and that hurt okay <laughs> not imagine having your entire body stretched to the point of dislocation. So they would use all these torture devices on their prisoners and that just being one of them, sometimes to make them confess to something, that kind of thing. And if you're, I don't know, if I'm getting stretched out like that, like I'm just gonna say, yeah, I'll probably co confess to anything you'll want me to, to get you Absolutely. to Absolutely. So not very effective, we learn now, but a very common practice at the time. Thank goodness we did not live back then. Oh, I know. What a nightmare. I know. I, it, you could be found guilty of anything and being tortured like that. Oh my gosh. I would. Ra I think I'd rather be beheaded like Anne Boleyn with the sword. Absolutely. One cut than yep. have to deal with that for an extended Get it done quick. Time. Yep. So let's talk about some of the ghosts. So obviously there are a ton of ghosts. There's like gray lady they call white lady ghosts you know and these are just kind of like generalized terms that they use throughout the property of different ghosts that you'll see throughout um, but not all of them are named those are kind of nameless some of the named ones we have Anne Boleyn of course who was beheaded with that sword she is seen sometimes actually walking around the property holding her severed head under her arm and you can actually see that one of the famous stories is a guard saw a woman on the property kind of with her back turned to him. And as he approached the woman to say, hey, what are you doing here? The woman turned around and her face was gone. Really? And so they think, of course, that was Anne Boleyn. However, I mean, it really could have been a ton of people. Could have been any number of, of people that were killed there. 
Yeah, I agree because there was tons of women. I mean, we just talked about three women mm -hmm. that were executed on the property. It could have been any of those. And Absolutely. Including tons more. So look for that. Anne Boleyn or just beheaded women in general, I suppose, that are hanging out. The Princess of the Tower is one of the bigger ghost stories that you're going to hear. So those princes that were basically murdered by their uncle, you know, in order to take over the crown, they are seen all the time, specifically in the Bloody Tower where they had their bedroom at. And typically when you see these kids, they are wearing just long, like old white pajamas, what they would wear in, back in those days, like robes almost. So white pajamas, and a lot of times you will see them cowering in a corner of a room, or sometimes they're cowering and actually like clutching each other in fear. Oh, so, I know it's really sad because these sad. are real kids that right. were alive. These are, you know, real people that were there. And apparently, even in the afterlife, they are in some kind of fear, mm -hmm. which is really sad. The Countess of Salisbury, of course, can also be seen. And she was the one, if you remember our story, that would not let them cut her head off. And so she ended up getting hacked to death. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you can sometimes, sometimes see her, especially on the anniversary of her death, running around that courtyard and screaming so really? like she is like perpetually in the afterlife running from her executioner screaming so that kind of makes me think maybe it's not you know a, a haunting where she's aware of other people right so it's maybe just something replaying over and over again right so maybe not like an intelligent thing just sort of right a, you know shadow that's left in some other dimension residual is thing yeah some kind yeah, of a residual haunt i also think too you know like traumatic events and we've talked about a few traumatic events like Velisca axe murder house and stuff like that tend to i think bring more spirits you know more spirits hang around when there's something traumatic that happened whether it be residual unintelligent or like I don't know those two kids in the blood tower. I mean, it's hard to say whether or not they're just residual, where they whether they are intelligent, but definitely some sort of traumatic event occurred. Right, right, and that's why they're still there. Yep, agree. And I, that's pretty traumatic. I don't know how much more traumatic you could get, you know, being hacked to death like that. Yep. Um, the other person that's seen throughout the property is Lady Jane Grey, and she's just seen kind of walking the grounds. And especially, again, on the anniversary of her death, you can see her walking the grounds. So things to look for. Those are not the only ghosts. Like I said, there is a lot of other ghosts. It's When I've been doing my research on it, they actually say, you know, it's probably got the most ghosts of any place in England. Although I don't know how you calculate that. But there's a lot of ghosts here. And I'm saved my favorite for last. Okay. So, remember at the beginning of the story, Lindsay, I talked about the Royal Menagerie, which is the Royal Zoo, basically, that's mm -hmm. housing all these different animals, and in particular, a polar bear. Yes. Right? That was allowed to go fishing and hunting. This polar bear is still haunting the castle. Really? It is. So, I didn't just throw that story in for fun. I threw it in because I wanted to come back to it at the end. This polar bear apparently is seen on the castle grounds haunting the location. 
And the most famous story from this polar bear is back in, and this is legend, by the way, guys. Mm -hmm. Back in 1815, there was a guard in the jewel room, you know, kind of just minding his own business. And all of a sudden, he sees this bear come charging at him. So he had, you know, a gun with a bayonet. And so he stabbed this bear with his bayonet and was completely shocked when nothing happened. And it was basically just his bayonet went through air because it was obviously a ghost bear, not a real life bear. So this guard supposedly was found after this incident unconscious and like totally freaking out when he woke up like he was so scared that he passed out from fear Mm -hmm. and supposedly this makes me question it a little bit more supposedly he died of fright two months later what yeah or he had like a normal heart attack yeah or he had a normal (laughs) heart attack but I just find this story of the bear. We've never talked about any animal ghosts on this show yet. I yeah. don't think. I find that fascinating. I do too. I think it's definitely a possibility. I know I'm a skeptic about certain things, of course, but I really do believe in some animal ghosts. I do too. Let me. I told you about Pierre, right, Lindsay, and how yeah. he was kind of haunting my house. So going to the animal ghost story just really quick, and this is not about the Tower of London, but I used to have this cat named Pierre, and it was actually Lindsay's cat for a while, but I kind of took it on. And it was the sweetest, nicest cat in the world. Well, a couple years ago, it, it passed away from cancer, and the day that it passed away, that night when I was laying down in bed, I swear I felt him jump on the bed. And being me, like, I'm scared of a lot of ghosts, but I figured it was Pierre. So I was like, oh, Pierre, like, come on up. Come cuddle. Like, I'm just trying to be nice to Pierre. I feel like I might have been scared. No joke. scared if that happened? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an unknown situation jumping on your bed. Yeah, it was my, I could, I knew it was Pierre. And then, you know, after that, I started hearing meowing coming from the basement. Well, Mm -hmm. I had another cat. So it's like sometimes I could attribute it to my other cat, Louis. They were both French names, by the way, the French kitty cats, Pierre and Louis. And but a lot of the times I could see Louis was upstairs. And then all of a sudden I would hear these meowing noises. And one night I had my ex-boyfriend now over at the house and it was getting really late and all of a sudden and I had told him you know I think Pierre is haunting this house I've been hearing meowing and stuff and all of a sudden I hear it really late and I go listen there the Pierre is meowing in the basement and he looks at me he's like no that's Louie that's your other cat and I go no Louie is right there and I pointed at Louie sitting right next to us (laughs) and he flipped out he was like getting his car keys getting ready to leave the premises (laughs) I was shocked I wasn't expecting him to react that way because I was just like it's Pierre it's my cat like so what it's no big deal yeah it's not that big of a cat in the basement just a ghost cat um but I haven't heard it in years it was really only for a short amount of time after he died I would say maybe like a month afterwards that I had heard that meowing so he's moved on to the other side but Pierre I think did just want to come like 
say hi, you know, after he passed away. I think so. Yeah. So I totally believe that a bear could be haunting it. So a cat, you think that's scary? Let's have a bear charging at you and right? see how that feels. That Now that I would be scared of. You could die of fright. Absolutely. So if you go to London and you want to take a tour, tours there are about 27 pounds and 50 pence, I think is I the word for it. 27 and a half pounds. Yeah, let's go with that. 27 and a half pounds. And, you know, they vary. Like, that's the adult rate, but there's also, like, a children's rate and that kind of thing, too. And part of this tour, you get to see the crown jewels. You get to go into several of the different towers, although it's not like a free-for-all. You can't just, like, run anywhere you want within these castle walls. It is going to be much more guided and um, specific areas of the castle you'll be able to go to. Now, they don't have like a ghost tour or anything like that. However, they do have what they call tower twilight tours. And they are only on specific Sunday nights at 7 p.m. So you really want to look at their website and see what nights they are doing this. So again, you still get to see the crown jewels. You get to see all these things, but it is during the twilight hours. It is not advertised as a ghost tour or anything like that but I mean I feel like you might have a little bit of better luck at the twilight hours although honestly I think you can see a ghost any time of day I say go on any of the tours but twilight tour preferably right and then bring your own like k2 meter like record for evps yep I agree try not to disturb the other people but I think you could maybe get some some ghost hunting in yeah, totally. Okay, guys, we really appreciate everyone that listens to the show, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode at the Tower of London. Please make sure to go check out our website at yourhauntedholiday.com and reach out to us at yourhauntedholiday at gmail.com. If you have any ghost stories, you want to share any tidbits, you want to get a shout out on the show, all of the above, reach out to us. You can find us on all social media. We've got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Come find us. Thanks for listening.